Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with the Tutor Podcast, talking uncommon sense about how to start, grow and love your tutoring, teaching and coaching business. Now, in the last show, we talked about why we teachers and coaches need to be effective communicators with a look at the three key elements of rhetoric and persuasion. But effective communication is a two-way street, and it's not all about talking. To effectively communicate, we have to be willing and able to listen too. You know, we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Everybody listens, don't they? Eh, Not everybody. If you're anything like me, you'll want to surge on along your planned course and deliver tons of value in every lesson. And that's great. But over the years, I've really had to flag myself down keep looping, looping back on myself and on the students to make sure that every single progression of their learning path is secure and it's safe to move on. I'm really a mile-a-minute whirlwind of enthusiasm and energy, so I'm constantly having to make myself pause, check that the students has understood the idea I've shared with them and that they're able to put it to work on the guitar. This used to frustrate the crap out of me. I'd be thinking, surely they can't mess that up, and sure enough, they could. And here's the thing, when I really slowed down and started to listen to what my students were saying, and especially how they were saying it, the voice tone, the choice of words, the tenses they used and their points of view, I started to lose my frustration and become more interested and a much better teacher. What I found is that the students usually can't tell you exactly what their problem is, but the language and speech modes will give you tons of clues. So I'll crack straight on with some of these. Here are some tips on how to listen better to what your students are not saying and how to get around them. First things first, listen to the patterns of how they respond to you. Are they compliant or are they polar responders? Now, compliant responders work with you. They, they want to fit in. They want to say yes to stuff. So work with that a little bit at a time, unless they're absolute lapdogs, in which case you can go fast. If they're polar responders and they love to tell you what's wrong and what's different, notice that. Notice when they argue for the limitations and then pivot the conversation around so that they'll start to argue for their abilities instead of their difficulties. The next thing is intonation and breathing. Notice what happens when I take that slow breath. The whole pace of the podcast drops. And this is really important because it will help you to know if they've got the points, or if they're struggling and they need help, breathing indicates level of stress, arousal, or excitement. So you notice when the breathing changes and what it's telling you. Are they getting more excited or frustrated? More relaxed? Or more fearful? It's all useful information. We can change at our pace and our own breathing patterns to affect the student's state. If we slow down, they relax and calm down. When we speed up, they get more excited and probably more interested. Now, intonation is very interesting because what's very common, especially with teenagers, is they use questioning inflections all the time. Have you noticed this? It's when the back end of the sentence lifts up. That's usually when they're seeking affirmation or confirmation. And it's a clue that they're not sure. The opposite of that is a declarative statement. It's where they're using the falling inflection 
at the back end of the sound. So as they get more serious and more certain, their voice tone goes downwards. Just like that. Noticing when these are being used can give you a real clue as to whether they've got the point or not. Something I love spotting is speech patterns indicating that an activity or an idea is ongoing or completed for them. When my student says I can't do it, or they tell me that they do certain things, then this is a completed action in the main. It's stuck in time and it's not really amenable to change. So what I usually do is I challenge them to add the word yet to the sentence. So I can't do it becomes I can't do it yet. And once they're bought into that, I'll get them to add the word but to the end and tell them to complete the sentence. So we've gone from I can't do it to I can't do it yet, but and it invariably becomes hotly pursued by the phrase I'm going to and then I'll get them to tell me when they're going to do it. This idea of an ongoing or complete statement is very powerful because if it's if it's an ongoing statement there's a chance to change it more easily than if it's a stuck statement that's fully completed. It's a done deal in that case and we have to get them mobilized. So listen out for that language pattern. Now the next thing is the direction of their mental processes. In NLP, we say that we can have a towards or an away from kind of a, a speech pattern. So I'm listening to where they're list moving towards their goals and understanding, or whether they're away from something they either fear or don't want. If they're using the towards patterns, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this, it's getting better, it's getting better. Then I'm hearing that there's movement towards a desired goal. So I'll add to that if I can. I'll say, I might use the phrase, and when you use this too, you can then go on to the next thing I'm going to teach them. And that will feel awesome. And then you'll know you've got it nailed. So then so we're chaining up positive movements in the direction of where they want to go. We've got them on track, pointing in the right direction. If they're using an away from language pattern, let's say I've got a student who tells me they don't want to waste any time. I'll acknowledge that, but I'll make the fear even worse if I can. I might say, well, you say you don't want to waste any precious time. And I get that because losing time doing what doesn't work is the greatest tragedy a human can endure, isn't it? Every minute wasted is a minute you can never get back. But sometimes we have to slow down to go fast, don't we? So to save time, we're going to. And then we'll cover the ideas and the techniques as planned. But I've got their mind primed by using their own language patterns and embracing their own values. Now with students, something I've found very powerful is the idea of a subjective reality statement. When a student tells me it's really hard or it's super difficult. And I think it's important to internally recognize that's just their opinion and to feed that back to them and say something like, yeah, it can be. But when we break it down, it's really just a sequence of small, simple steps, which one at a time are easy. But when we add them together can be deceptive and they'll give you the impression of it being complicated, even though this is not the case. So we'll start with the first step and this is how we do it. I'll then demonstrate just the first segment or even just the first note of a piece of music or the first idea of a technique. 
that's a great way of undermining their opinion without telling them they're wrong. Now, when a student says, I don't think I can do it, there's a chance they might not even try. Because what's in it for them if they think they're going to fail? And what I might do here be down to the individual student and my own understanding of them. But I might say something like, ah, it's possible you're right. But it's also possible to notice that, and then I'll demonstrate the little technique or an idea that they were stuck with and suggest they try it a slightly different way. I might then say something like, yeah, okay, but let's break it down. Let's just play the first note. Because just like an elephant, if you can slice it up thin enough, you can eat your whole way through the whole elephant one slice at a time. I might simply ask them, are you sure about that? And I'll riff about whether they're sure about being sure about it. And then I'll ask them if they're sure about that. So when they tell me they're sure that they can't do it, I ask them if they're sure about whether they're sure they can't do it. And then they tell me they're sure about that. And I ask them if they're sure about being sure about being sure they can't do it. And before long, which got very silly and they're starting to giggle. Now, <laughs> on the off chance your student is a polar respondent with a very strong opinion, just tell them they're probably right. And then spin the conversation around and ask them to argue with you about why I'm wrong, that I think they can do it. Because if I tell them that they can't do it, and they're a polar responder, they're going to start to argue for what they can do. Now, there's one very, very powerful thing I really want you to listen out to with your students, and it's negation. It's when they use the word but. Anytime you hear the word but in the middle of a sentence, it automatically cancels out and negates whatever they said first. <sighs> Just get them to remove the word but from their language. Explain why. The format is, yeah, that's very good, but mm, then the bad thing happens. It's like giving a pat on the head followed by a kick in the arse. Get them to replace it with, and just suppose, or... And what if? So you can say that's pretty good. And what if? Now they're going to go further on. If you catch a student using the word but, get them to change it for something better. And finally, listen out for the way they think. When a student tells you it's like something, that's exactly how it is for them. When they tell me their fingers feel like they're slow and heavy, I'll ask them to imagine their fingers being nimble and lightweight like a dancer and to tell me how that feels. It's amazing how powerful this little idea is. If they can't see it, then I'll draw pictures to help them see it. If a student tells me they can't hear it, I'll explain or demonstrate with sound the technique or the idea to them. And I'll ask them to raise their hand or a finger when I get to the part they can't hear. Again, they're telling me exactly what's going on in their minds. Their similes tell you and they'll tell me exactly how they see the world and how things are for them. So use their words and their similes, their metaphors, because they already understand their own words and they are their own authorities. We just piggyback in on top of that. Now, my students often tell me I'm a great talker and a great teacher, and this is very flattering. There might be a tiny, tiny grain of truth in there, but I know that what I do best is listen to them. The better I listen, the better they'll help me to teach them because what they say will always give me clues about how they think and how they see the world. Armed with that information, I can more effectively craft my own speech to resonate with them because I end up sounding just like them. It's no wonder they like me.
it's absolutely fascinating how much more you'll understand your students when you begin to listen more closely to them. Their words are windows to their minds. And they're also the fast track to their learning with you. Real listening makes teaching easier, makes it faster, and it makes it a whole lot more fun. Of course, listening skills are cross-contextual, so they'll start to puzzle you. So they'll start to positively affect other areas of your life. Go, go listen. Let me know if this helps you as much as it's helped me over the years. Because I'm listening too. And I'm here to learn as well as talk. I'm really interested in how other people make their tutoring and coaching businesses work for them. So get in touch because I don't have all the answers. All I have are the answers that work for me. And I'm keen to hear how you make stuff work for you. Get in touch with me. It's info at neilcamada.com. And you can find me on Twitter where I am, at Tudor Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button for the Tudor Podcast and you'll automatically get the latest updates as soon as they're live. Right, that wraps it up for the day. I've got guitar students beating the door down. But join me on the next Tudor Podcast where it's all about how to start, grow and love your tutoring business. Have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.